is Mother's Day, and we want to acknowledge all the women we're blessed to know. We rejoice over you, for your strength, your wisdom, your strong love, your beautiful faith. Whether today is a celebration for you or a day of quiet reflection and healing, we're thinking of all of you. If you gave birth this year to your first child, our joy overflows and we celebrate with you. If you adopted a child this year or became a foster parent, we rejoice with you and we want to honor you in your commitment to changing the lives of children. If you continue to struggle with infertility, we are hoping with you and holding your hand in prayer. If you are exhausted and feeling underappreciated for all you do for a house full of kids, we applaud you. We love you, and we appreciate you more than you can ever imagine. And if you lost a child this year to death or miscarriage, we weep and mourn with you. And if your child is lost to addiction or to the world, we hurt with you, and we join you in putting our hope in the one who brings prodigals home. If you live with painful memories of your mom, we pray that you will find in a spiritual mother all that you never had from a birth mom. And if you're one of those amazing spiritual moms, we thank you for stepping up and being there when others couldn't. If you're experiencing an empty nest for the first time this year, we walk with you in this new season and are excited about the next chapter God has planned for you. If you're single, we celebrate your strength, beauty, and individuality, and join with you in praying for the desires of your heart. If you're a single mom and wonder if you have the physical energy and financial resources to raise and provide for your child or children, we want to help you, and we will. And if you're pregnant for the first time, we prayerfully anticipate with you the joyful birth of a healthy child. And to all the special women on this Mother's Day, rest and delight in knowing that we are thankful for you and we celebrate each and every one of you. Well, happy Mother's Day, everyone. Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day, Suzanne. Thank you. Thank you. You're a good mom. Thank you. You know that? Well, hey, it is good to see you on this Mother's Day. I sure hope Mom got breakfast in bed this morning. Matter of fact, Mom, I hope you're sitting in you what did James pajamas with some uh, slippers on and a cup of coffee, and the kids made you what did James say you should eat? You like James because you like? Bacon. 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 That's right. <laughs> you don't know what I'm talking about. Watch last yes. week's sermon. And so two yeah, weeks ago sermon, I think, before... Uh, Bob McKay was with us, and didn't you enjoy that last week, um, having missionary mm -hmm. Bob McKay with us? And so, moms, happy Mother's Day. Um, when we were looking for some Mother's Day videos, Suzanne actually was the one who looked for them for us this year, and she found a whole bunch of them, and I was reviewing all the ones that she sent me, and when we saw this video, and the reason you pulled it out was because it really says mm -hmm. what we try to express every single year at Mother's Day. Because we know that Mother's Day for some of you is just a glorious, wonderful time. And right now you've got kids sitting on your lap and snuggling with you or you're holding your little baby. Um, and that's wonderful. We know also for Mother's Day, some of you, it's a challenge. 
um, you know, maybe kids are a long ways from home or spiritually a long ways from home or any other myriad of things that could come up on Mother's Day. And so we just want you to know this, moms and ladies as a whole, um, we love and value you at Portview Church. Mm -hmm. And um, it kind of shows we think, think highly of women. I kind of got one at my right side all the time. And so um, we are so happy to be able to tell you that we love you and we, we honor you and we hope that you have a phenomenal Mother's Day um, and that you just enjoy yourself and that you feel the blessing of God um, in the way that he wants to show you how important you are. Anything you want to say to our moms? Just remember, you're a great mom. No matter what season of life you find yourself in, if you're in the baby stage and you are, are sleepless and you love the snuggles or you're the teenage years and you're ready, you might be bald today, maybe <laughs> by pulling your, from pulling your hair out, um, you know, or you're, you know, like us, we're, well, we're not empty nesters yet, but our kids are old enough, you know, that they're out and about and there's just a lot of different seasons in life. And sometimes you don't feel like a good mom, you're a good mom. And so just know that today. You're loved, and what you're doing matters. So happy Mother's Day. Does it feel odd to be able to say that perspective of being a grandma? A couple times, are you old? you're not old enough to be a grandma. Uh, you know, I, I was reading, and um, Julia from church says this all the time. She quotes it, and I re it actually read it today, and it says, I was young, and now I'm old. But I've never seen the righteous forsaken or children begging for bread. And I'm, I read that, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm old. <laughs> I was young, and now I'm old. So, so yes, it's been a, a harsh reality. <laughs> hey, <laughs> but you're it's not good. getting older, you're getting yeah. better. It's good because you like get to look back and see God's God's provision and his his handiwork in your life. So all the rest of our moms out there, you're yeah. not getting older, you're getting better. Yeah. So like fine wine, I wouldn't know that because I don't drink wine, but like fine wine, I guess it gets better with age. So I wouldn't know. So uh, yeah, so happy Mother's Day, moms. We're glad that you took your you're starting your Mother's Day off with us today. And uh, so we're glad you're here. Hey, and dads and kids and grandmas and grandpas, aunts and uncles, whoever else is out there, we're glad that you're here. And hey, I support you family. I want to once again, as we've been doing week after week and have been doing year after year, thank you for your incredible, uh, ridiculous generosity. I was on a, on a video uh, Zoom meeting the other day with some other pastors. I was doing uh, some reappointment meetings for our home missions pastors. And um, I talked about Portview's ridiculous generosity. And the one guy said, what? What do you mean ridiculous generosity? I said, our people are just so generous. And, um, and so in that meeting, in that particular meeting I was at, um, one of the pastors, when we were talking about that, shared a need in their, in, in their church. It's kind of a, a small church in our section, um, in our area around here. And, um, and their pastor's been having some health problems lately. And because of that, you know, he's the main one who does all their connecting, and now it's the COVID stuff, and it's a big challenge. And in the midst of that, their copy machine broke. And um, so he, was, he wasn't whining or complaining. He just said, yeah, you know, I'm trying to figure out how to pay for that thing. And, and I said, would you let Portview Church pay for your copy machine? And he's like, no, 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 we won't let you do that. And I said, you need your copy machine, right? And he said, yeah. And he said, I'm getting my stimulus money, and when I get my stimulus money, I can buy a copy machine. And I said, okay. So, would you let Portview Church pay for part of your copy machine? And he said, would you really want to do that? I said, our people are crazy. Do you need it? He goes, well, we can't. And we love to help churches. We love to expand the kingdom. Mm -hmm. 
And they, I said, you need it? He goes, well, we can't do the ministry we're doing without a copy machine. And so because of you, um, Pastor Mitch yesterday sent out a check for $500 to that church to help prepare for repairs, um, about half the repairs on their machine. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so that's awesome. And yeah. so thank you for the privilege of doing that. Also in the last week, we've been able to help um, some people in our local church family that because of um, companies being shut down have not been able to work. And uh, some people have got unemployment, some haven't got unemployment. And so we were able to help people this, just this very week. Um, again, Pastor Mitch sending out some checks um, to some folks and handing out some checks to people. So why can we do that? Because Portview people care. Mm -hmm. Crazy, generous, caring people. It's an it's a honor to pastor you, uh, to be, your, be called your pastor, pastors, and uh, be part of what God is doing through this church. So thank you. Remember, if, you're, uh, if you want to contribute to what's going on at Portview Church, keep the ministries going here. Mm -hmm. um, like always, you can, matter of fact, somebody called me, they called me this week and they said, how do I give money to the church? And they, and they said, you know, what do I do? I said, well, you can do it by a, by a credit card. Well, I, don't, I don't do that. You can do it this way, check, I don't do that. I said, well, then stop by the church and drop it off. <laughs> and so, uh, so they said, I can do that? I said, yes, you can drop off a check. You can mail in a check. You can um, give online. You can give through the app. Um, and so thank you for doing that. It's allowing us to keep all our normal ministries going and increased ministries um, in areas where people are struggling because of the because of work changes mm -hmm. with COVID. So it's an honor and a privilege to be able to all be part of that. Yeah. Amen? Amen. As you're talking, I'm just, um, it's this, this time frame has reinforced to me how we, we really are living, how God wants us to live. You know, the book of Acts, they, they broke bread together, and someday we'll be able to be back together breaking bread. We'll but, virtually. But they, they had all things in common, and they were helping one another. And that's what we're doing, and it has been incredibly um, overwhelming and, and just very fulfilling to say, wow, you guys are so generous that people are really being blessed in their lives. They're living, at, it, they're able to live in a state of peace, seeing how God's providing, and that's because of you. Yeah. And so. You were able to go shopping you. for someone today, somebody who yep. has health issues, couldn't, uh, can't mm -hmm. really go to the stores, and so they sent you again their shopping list, mm -hmm. and you went out and got all their stuff. Yeah. and delivered it to their porch delivery to their home. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so it's just, uh, it's neat to see the church being the church it during is. this time. I'm it looking is. forward to when we can Me get too. together Me too. Um, again. <laughs> and I'm hoping it's not going to be real long. We're able to gradually phase in meeting together. Um, and, uh, but until then, we, get to, we can still be the church. Yeah. The church is not, is not, is not, not. The church is, is not <laughs> non-existent. We are as existent, maybe, maybe more existent. Um, because we're uh, uh, expressing the love of Jesus in all different manners and different places. Mm -hmm. And so uh, um, it's an honor. It's mm -hmm. awesome to be part of what God is doing. Mm -hmm. um, hey, speaking of what God is doing, May is what month? Missions month. Missions month. I know it's a little different um, that we're not all together, and you all shout that back at me. Um, it's time we talk about our Kingdom Builders ministry around here, which is the name of our missions ministry where we expand the kingdom of God around mm -hmm. the local community by helping pastors have copy machines so they can reach their community, um, as well as um, other local ministries, um, dropping off food down at the, or not food, um, diapers and wipes mm -hmm. or anything down at the Women's Care Center this week, um, and also missionaries around the world. I just made a call to our, 
our head of missions for our district, and I said, hey, how's it going with our missionaries on the field? Are any of them in need? And uh, he said, well, he's not real, he thinks everybody's all right right now, but he said, Mark, I'm going to be doing a, a release, a news release in the next week about if there are certain needs. And so I said, well, keep us informed because um, we don't want people sitting over in some other country in Africa and not having what they need right. um, because of the COVID situation. Mm -hmm. And so part of our missions month every year is we do a book. And this year we mailed you a book, Surprise the World. Now, I gave you an assignment last week to begin reading the book, and I hope you did. I picked a little short book on purpose, and it's kind of interesting because the book is about how to live missionally, and we, we debated with a little book, anybody lockdown, but we said, it's perfect. Yep. Take the time to read this short little book. Anybody can read it. It's simple, and it got one mailed to every one of your homes, and if you didn't get one, contact the church. We'll get you one, mm -hmm. and... Um, this little book is talking about how do you live missionally. In other words, how do you live your life on mission with Jesus? Mm -hmm. And um, some ideas. And one of the things I'm going to talk about next week is the idea of bells. He talks about how do you live out bells in the book. But for this week, last week I asked you a question. I said, be, as you're reading, be paying attention to something. And the first thing I asked you to pay attention to is the author talks about Frost, talks about how it's important for you and me, all of us, to live what he calls questionable lives. Mm -hmm. And you were supposed to figure out what that meant. And it's in the very first chapter. What's it mean to be, live a questionable life? Well, let me read uh, just a little bit of what Frost says about a, being a, living a questionable life. He says, um, we're to inspire all believers to live questionable lives. It's on page five of the book. If all believers are leading the kind of lives that evoke questions from their friends, then opportunities for sharing faith abound and the chances for gifted evangelists to boldly proclaim are increased. And so, uh, in, in belief, um, our task is to surprise the world. Mm -hmm. So he says, you and I, every one of us, we don't have to be a gifted evangelist, meaning a, one of the people with the five-fold ministry gift from Ephesians 4 that talks about there's gifted pastors and teachers and evangelists and missionaries, um, prophets, but um, all of us can live questionable lives meaning we live in such a manner among our friends and family that they question us. They go, why would you be like that? Why would you, give, why would you help a church in another city? Why would you help a pastor? Um, just today, I made a call to a pastor because of the COVID thing um, that our church helps every single month because of the generosity of somebody from church. We give them a check for hundreds of dollars every month. And um, I'm supposed to meet with that person for coffee every month, but we can't really do that right now. So I contacted him today, and, and he's stopping by the church today to pick up um, checks from us. Now, somebody would say, why would you give money as a church to a pastor from a different denomination in the same city or the next city over? Why? Because Jesus would. We're not competitors. We're not competitors. We're on the same team. And so that's living questionable lives. I'll talk a little bit about that more next week, but... How can you live a questionable life? How can you live before your friends and neighbors and coworkers in such a way that they say, why in the world would you be kind to somebody who's mean to you? Why would you be forgiving to somebody that hurts you? Why would you be generous to somebody who's stingy? You know, why would you be generous in a difficult time? Mm -hmm. All those things acting like Jesus in the world, that's missional living. Yeah. It, it reveals Christ so that people then say to us, why are you the way you are? 
So the intention of this book, living out what's going to be called bells, you need to read that, what's bells, B-E-L-L-S, is how you live a questionable life. So there, that's, that's our, uh, our uh, surprise the world for today. And I know some people are reading ahead because I actually got a text from somebody this week saying, I'm loving bells, that they love this book. So if you haven't read it, you should read it. It's All right, so get going on it for the month of May. So yeah. today... Um, we are going to continue on with our series called Pillars. Mm-hmm. Actually, today is the last, the last of four weeks talking about pillars. Um, pillars of the church. People who God has used, somebody from the Old Testament, somebody from the New Testament, somebody from church history, we're going to look at that today, and somebody contemporary, we looked at last week, that are building the church. People that the church has been built upon or is being built upon. And I hope you've been enjoying this. I've been wanting to do this series for a long time. I'm looking forward already to next year. Yeah. Who will I select for next year? So who do we have this year? Should I test you? I cover okay, up my notes. Who was Old Testament? Noah. And Noah was a righteous and a blameless man who walked before the Lord. Mm-hmm. And we looked at, he was a pillar because if Noah wasn't around, him and his wife and three kids and their wives, we wouldn't be around. Be um, mm-hmm. Everybody got, would have been drowned in the sea right. in the flood. And so he was a great pillar, a great example of how to live a righteous life, do the right things, mm-hmm. um, avoid things to be blamed for, so don't do the wrong things, and then walk every day mm-hmm. with God. And that said, God took notice of him and used mm-hmm. him and his family to repopulate the whole world. Yeah. Um, so there was Old Testament, Noah, New Testament, James. The and brother, I, brother of Jesus. Half-brother of Jesus, pastor of the first church ever, mm-hmm. the Church of Jerusalem. Um, but bacon it was he, he liked bacon. We don't know if he liked bacon. We like bacon. We like bacon it was so funny. Him. I put that in my notes, and you never know what's going to affect people. I have had, heard so many comments about, about um, we like James because we like bacon. Yeah. And, um, and so that point being that he navigated mm-hmm. what it meant for Gentiles to come into Christianity because all Christians originally were Jews who understood that Jesus was a Jewish Messiah. Jewish Jewish Messiah. (laughs) And um, then here are all these Gentiles, you know, coming to Christ. And James helps navigate that. Acts 15 talks about it. Mm -hmm. What do Gentiles have to do? And his conclusion was they don't have to keep the Jewish law. And Jews couldn't eat pork, so we like James because we like bacon. So then the next week, we talked about a contemporary person, Bob McKay. And I called him Bob Roberts like three times in the service. I'm not, that's another missionary (laughs) friend of mine and a former missionary friend. And, um, but Bob McKay, and we talk, called him a pillar because he is helping establish to build the church that communism tried to destroy. Yeah. That he said Stalin, one of the places that they said a church, Stalin said that that was his birthplace, and there would, he, he would have a picture with the last um, Bible or last Christian right. um, in the Soviet Union. And uh, well, he's long gone, and the church is growing and thriving. So a, a pillar, establishing, he's running Bible colleges and, and making disciples um, to establish the church in a place where the enemy of our soul tried to wipe the church out. Mm-hmm. And today, we're going to look at somebody from church history. Mm-hmm. And today being Mother's Day, I thought the choice was very easy, although when I say the name of who we're going to look at from church history, you're going to go, somebody well, you're going to go, who? Only people, people who have read The Good and Beautiful God series will be familiar with this. Maybe you yes. remember if this you name. Remember, if you've done it, you may remember. Yeah, so the yeah. name of the person from contemporary history that we're going to talk about as a pillar today is a woman, because it's Mother's Day, yep. 
a woman by the name of Jean Guyon, or many people know her as Madame Guyon. And you go, well, who in the world is Jean Guyon? Well, she was a 16th century mystic um, that wrote about, first of all, lived out, but then wrote about um, living, having an, in, an interior experience with Christ. That how you could live a life of a reality with Jesus. Not just some religious um, going to church kind of a thing, but we could live a life of, of experiencing Christ. And her writings influenced many of the people and the movements that have formed our church in the West in particular, but even in Protestantism largely, although she was a Catholic lady of the 1600s, um, that really formed us, made us into who we are. And so she was a major influence on the Quaker movement. And you go, you know, Quaker is, the Quakers are more than Quaker Oats or yes. Quaker Pennsylvania. Yeah. The Quakers, their influence was um, one of the main influences on Christianity in the development of America. And so, so that was, that's huge. She influenced also um, Count Zinzendorf and the Moravians. Mm -hmm. And you say, well, who are the Moravians? Well, the Moravians were the first Protestant denomination. They were in Germany. Mm -hmm. So the foundation of, of Protestant denominationalism rose out of the Moravians and Count Zinzendorf. Um, Jean Guyon was a huge influence for that. Mm -hmm. um, Jean Guyon was a huge influence over on John, John Wesley's life. Mm -hmm. John Wesley was the founder of the Methodist Church and Wesleyism. You know, at one time, the, the, the Methodist Church was the strongest uh, missionary movement on the planet. Mm -hmm. Their goal was to plant a church everywhere on the planet where there was a post office. And uh, they're still, you know, many places going great. Mm -hmm. um, but John Wesley was greatly influenced by Madame Gahn's writing. And then the last person, and not least, but the last person who was hugely influenced was a guy named Watchman Nee. And if you're not familiar with Watchman Nee, I recommend you read his books. When I was a new believer, I remember reading Watchman Nee's material. Um, and it really is influential. Well, Watchman Nee was a minister to China in the 1920s. And, you know, pre-communism. Again, communism tried to wipe out. So for any of us not being political, but you think communism is a good thing? Tried to wipe out hugely Indianity in China. And Watchman Nee, pre-communism, was this hugely influential um, uh, Christian pastor in China that just saw Christianity blossom in, in China and then was tried to wipe out under communism. Mm -hmm. So all these people hugely influenced by this little old 16th century mystic lady who didn't live real long, and you're going to get to that in a little while, died really early. Yeah. Um, but she's a pillar because of her incredible influence that she had on other people. And what she really focused on was this idea of the internal life, the interior life with Christ, um, and this idea of abiding. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking about that. I was thinking, you know, she helped people. She's really practical in some of her writings. She helped people learn how can you fulfill John 15. This is ab to, to abide. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, you know, you'll, you'll bear much fruit. Um, without me, you can do nothing. All those things that happen because of abiding, she helped people understand how, what does that look like? How can you abide? Yeah. And because of that, 
talking about this very personal relationship with life, uh, with Christ, the, the church at the time, the Catholic church at the time, didn't like her. Matter of fact, they imprisoned her in France in the Bastille, um, and they had all of her books burned um, because she basically was telling people that you could live for Christ without a priest or a friar. Yep. And uh, that did a lot for, uh, for uh, giving up control, and they didn't like that. So they imprisoned her and uh, had her books burned. Mm -hmm. And so that's who Madame Guyon is. And, and one of the main reasons that we picked her for Mother's Day as a pillar is because of her experience as a mother. Mm -hmm. And I know you just read um, her, her biography, her, auto, her autobiography, her autobiography yeah. which I read part of, but I think you read all of it. And so, what about Jean Guyana as a mother stood out to you? Um, so, you know, you were talking about how her, her focus and her goal was to help others understand that life of abiding. And she, she had several children, um, and I'm not sure if it was four or five, uh, because a couple of them had, had died um, as young children from smallpox. But um, she tells a story about one of her daughters um, that she would come into the room and she would say to her mom, are you sleeping? And then she'd say, oh, no, no, you're praying. And she would get down and start praying with her mom. And she, you know, her daughter knew what her mom's heart was and what her passion was and what she was doing in those times of quiet and silence, you know. And, you know, I remember us, you know, and we'd be praying and the boys, like you'd be praying at the couch and the boys would come out and pray next to you and, and, you know, that is just, that's, I mean, that's our job as parents, right, to raise our children up. But her, her passion for Jesus and that passion for abiding obviously overflowed to her children. Um, so that's where it started. Um, and then, you know, she had a very difficult life, and I'm going to just try to really compress this, because by the time she was 40, you know, she was married at 15 to somebody who was 22 years older than her, but by the time she was 40, she had a husband who had died, two children who had died. She herself had survived, excuse me, smallpox and some other illnesses. And she was disfigured because of that. She was, yeah, disfigured because of that. Um, she, you know, like you said, she was imprisoned at the Bastille because they were, because she was basically, you know, saying, no, you can have this very vibrant walk with Jesus, an intimate walk with him without having to have all the tapestry, the extra stuff. And of course, back then that wasn't accepted. Um, and so when you read her story, you know, people thought she was nuts. They thought she like, what's wrong with you? And she's like, nothing, I, I don't care what other people think. I, I love my Lord. I love Jesus. I want to abide. And, you know, at, first of all, going, you know, for mothers, we're, we're, as parents, wanting to pass that on, but also talking about living a questionable life. She lived a questionable life. Yeah. You know, she, she People lived... People looked at her and said, why are you the way that you are? Right, you know, and she actually ended up um, leaving um, two sons, I believe, with her mother-in-law. When they got married, they lived with her husband's mom, who was widowed, and she was, like, horribly mistreated. And fine, stay in that situation. Stuff, I'm like... Well, she was 15, but I'm like, who would, in their right mind, stay in that situation? And she would say, I will not say anything against my mother-in-law, and she would pray for her and take opportunities to, you know, try to direct to Jesus or whatever as she could. Um, but it, at the, toward, well, the end of her life, which 
you know, was like 40. Um, <laughs> um, she actually went and became a nun and brought her daughter with her. You know, that's why they call her Madam, Madam Guyon. So she went and lived in a convent and brought her daughter with her to make sure she would be raised up, you know, in the ways of, of the Lord. And so she was a very, um, you know, you read her story and, you know, we read some of this stuff out loud and Brett will say, she sounds a little crazy. <laughs> well, she does. I, you know, you read the book, it's like, wow, there's some crazy stuff in there. But it's a result of her passion to abide in Christ. Yeah, and sometimes, and you know, we can get things wrong. Oh, yeah. We can be passionate yeah. and get things wrong. And, yeah. you know, we all do. But, yeah, yeah so because she, was, she, she was all in. Can I tell one more story? I, I don't I, I don't want to take this whole time, but this is how, how dedicated she was. She wanted the word of God. You know, the Bible talks about um, hiding God's word in your heart. She literally wrote scripture out and pinned it to her skin and left like for a long time so she'd have it on material and pin it like a tattoo on her heart so that's how dedicated she was to knowing the word of god and hiding it in her heart we're not recommending i'm not recommending that but i'm saying (laughs) that is how deeply passionate she was like who would do that you're walking around with pins in your skin but she did you know, and, it, and that was that was more of the time. You know, that right. was you know Martin Luther was you know crawling mm-hmm. on his knees. It was this yep. idea of penance. Yeah. And so there's a, a misunderstanding of scripture, but right. it reveals. But the, it's a passion. The, the, the seriousness of her devotion. Right. And so, so you know, so she was a, this mom who passed on the faith. But there was another thing, or not another, in addition to that, or maybe a way it's expressed, that as a mother, something else she did is that she wrote a book. Mm-hmm. It was that letters actually that yeah. turned into a book, a book to her daughter, and that's what exposed us to Madame Guyon mm-hmm. the first time. And the right. book is called "How to Pass the Day Devotionally," mm-hmm. and what she did is she wrote very practically to her daughter how to structure her life so that she could experience the presence of God in a very real way in her life every single day. Yeah. And um, that section of her book has been one of the most impactful spiritual lessons that you and I have learned mm-hmm. over the last number of years of trying to um, live out a life of spiritual formation yeah. and, and development in Christ likeness. As a matter of fact, it's because of her that I always that I wear this bracelet. Yeah. This bracelet says on it, tend the flame. Yeah. And um, that comes out of Madame Guyon's teachings that she talked about your spiritual life being like a flame. Mm-hmm. That every day you had to light the flame. That's what she wrote to her daughter about. You right. had to light this flame, yep. this fire in your heart, and then throughout the day, add um, wood, add fuel to the fire every day. Mm-hmm. So my bracelet says, tend the flame. It's a reminder to me that every day, um, all day long, from morning to evening, I don't just start the day and then go about my business, that I want to be aware of the presence of the Lord by the yeah. available Holy Spirit all the time. Yeah. Well, that really... Um, came to us, so we started learning the life from the writings of Madame Guyon. Right. And I was thinking about this just today, in preparation for today of our, of our, of our service, um, how important that is for us right now in this mm-hmm. lockdown time. You know, the social distancing, you know, shelter at home, all this stuff. You know, someone is a missing church, and I'm glad you're missing church, I'm missing church, but we're maybe missing it for different reasons. Um, some are the same. We miss being together, miss hugging people and saying hi. Community. But community. Mm-hmm. But part of it is 
People are missing saying, oh, you know, oh, I want to come and learn and hear. I want to experience. Mm -hmm. And that's true. Yeah. Um, but what Madam Guyan would say is, well, you don't need to come to church with us. Now, I think there's something unique about yes. being in church together. There's unique about our connection here. But what she was teaching is you can learn to live in the presence of the Lord right. every single day of your life. And her life says, even in really, really, mm -hmm. really hard circumstances. Right. Even when they lock you in jail because they don't like what you say or you're getting beaten by your family members, mm -hmm. you can do it. So I think this is so appropriate to us um, right now. Today, I think we're going to actually tend the yeah. flame. Yeah. And what I want to do today, I think we're going to actually skip mm -hmm. one thing. Or we're going to skip yeah. to the next. Yes. What we're going to do today is I want to um, just look at a couple of things that she says in her book, Experiencing the Depths of Christ, and this is of Jesus Christ, and this is not the book uh, she wrote to her daughter, mm -hmm. but this is the, her most popular book, and I just want to talk about a few of the things that she says in here, um, and let and just talk about them, mm -hmm. um, and say, you know, what do you think about them? And the first one is on the, actually the very first page, page one of the book, she makes this statement, and I want us to just interact with the statement. It says this: Most Christians do not feel. Um, that they have been called to a deep inward relationship with their Lord. But we have all been called to the depths of Christ just as surely as we've been called to salvation. Mm -hmm. So what do you think about that? Do you think most Christians, you know, they don't have to have Rev in front of their name. Most Christians think, they do, they says, do not feel they have been called to a deep inward relationship with the Lord. What do you think? I think... In our, in our society, in our culture, there's a lot of availability of very shallow spirituality. Mm -hmm. You know, you listen, I, I won't name talk show hosts, but you know, you talk to the, you see these things on TV and, and you can, you know, they call them spiritual, you can, you know, you can watch services on, on TV and it never, there's nothing that's ever challenging a person as a Christian to go, go deeper in their walk with Christ, to identify who are you in Christ? What is God calling you to? Maybe what and, sacrifices and, is he asking you to, right. you know, to serve him with? Right, you know, um, so I think that unless we're intentional, that we're not going to, there's not going to be a, um, there's not going to be a natural fleshly draw to go deeper. Yeah. You know, you have to be in relationship with someone somewhere or have that connection to understand there is something deeper. There is something more than just this, this spirituality that's out there that everybody's spiritual. Well, and because she's directing, she's addressing Christian people in, mm -hmm. specifically. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if, if we don't live in the reality of Scripture, if our whole experience with Scripture is, you know, the verse for the day, um, or somebody else feeding you, and you're not spending time. And in fact, one of the things that Michael Frost is going to talk about in the book that we did is is spending great deals of time in the Word of God, yeah. so that you begin to think like the Word of God. Right. And if if you don't, and he says in that book that so many people have a have like a Cliff's Note version of the Gospels right. that they know, okay, life, death, resurrection. You know, he goes, they know a few parables. You know, but they really don't live in it. Right. And so they don't, they're not influenced by it. Mm -hmm. And so how would you know there's a depth right. unless you're swimming deep with people who've swam deep? Mm -hmm. Well, swim with the Apostle Paul for a while. 
Right. Swim with Jesus for a while, in, in, you know, at Gethsemane. Mm-hmm. Spend time in those in those things that are deep, right. um, and with you know, with Peter wrestling with his faith, mm-hmm. and then failing, and then coming back. Right. You know, um, as we spend time in the Word of God, seeing how people right. lived out their walk with the Lord, right. um, we see the norm is a deep walk with the Lord. And so right. her point is. Many Christians just don't even believe they're called to that. Right. They say, "Oh yeah, I'm called to salvation," mm-hmm. but that's it. And then they'll say this, and I've heard it. You know, well, that's well, that's for you. You're a pastor. Mm-hmm. Well, you're a pastor. You're supposed to do that. Not, to which I always say, you know, my what my spiritual word, baloney. You know, baloney. I'm not called any deeper than anybody else. I just have a different yeah. job. Yeah. And we all, mm-hmm. um, God offers to all of us a living, vibrant, real, um, deep relationship with him. So I think my, one thing that probably caught the attention of the John Wesley's, you know, and the Watchman knees was that, that she called people to a deep relationship mm-hmm. um, with the Lord. Yeah. So let's look at something else that she said. And this is in her, in this book, she talks about really practical ways to use the Bible in prayer. Mm-hmm. And this is the second thing in the, in the first chapter of this book, she talks about um, how you can use the Bible um, kind of read it Lexio style, Lexio mm-hmm. Divina, where you read yeah. it and let things, you, you read sm- slow and small portions and you let them speak to you. But then she talks about how, you, mm-hmm. and I want to just read this as a way to pray to, or to get right. you into a place of prayer. Mm-hmm. And I want to just read this because one thing she says, I'm like, ah, little, little like, you know, danger Will Robinson, you know, <laughs> with, but, but I get what she's saying. So let me just read this. She says, she calls it beholding the Lord. In, mm-hmm. in, it, it's a prayer, a way of praying through scripture. In beholding the Lord, you come to the Lord in a totally different way. Perhaps at this point, I need to share with you the greatest difficulty you will have in waiting upon the Lord. It has to do with your mind. The mind has a very strong tendency to stray away from the Lord. Therefore, as you come before the Lord to sit in his presence, beholding him, make use of the scripture to quiet your mind. That's what she's called. Mm -hmm. Beholding the Lord is how you quiet your mind through scriptures. And she says, the way you do this is quite simple. First, read a passage of scripture. Once you sense the Lord's presence, the content of what you have read is no longer important. And that's where I'm like, oh, well, okay, no, let's not say the word's not important. <laughs> but she's saying you can be in the word of God for something beyond information is what mm-hmm. she's saying. It's for formation. She said, the scripture has served its purpose. It has quieted your mind. It has brought you to him. And so... She's talking about how you can use the scriptures in a way, not just to read for information, but to bring yourself into the awareness of the presence of the Lord. And then when you have that experience, when you're like, you realize God is in this moment, God is speaking Mm -hmm. to me, you can just sit in that moment and experience the Lord. So Mm -hmm. what do you think about my Adam Guyana? Is she crazy saying that? No, because, you know, I I find myself, um, so like the scripture that I shared this morning when we opened, that was something that was in my quiet time this week, and was, you know, something that as I read it, it stood out, and then as I went into prayer, my mind has been just, you know, like everybody else, our minds wander, and so that was a passage of scripture that I would use to bring myself back, um, because then it gives you that focus, it gives you, you know, the reminder, like, yes, I'm going to sing praise, and I'm going to rejoice in my salvation, and it, you know, and it, it, or, you know, Psalm 23, you know, focusing on that as you meditate on that and you use that, it's so natural to then 
gulps in, into prayer and just talking with the Lord. And so I think it's a awesome way. <laughs> and that's exactly <laughs> you know. what you just said. I don't know if you said it on purpose, but you said, I kept going back to that particular section of scripture, the small section of verses mm -hmm. of, of, of words, because they quieted your mind. Yep. They kind of, so your mind's doing a thousand other things and you kept coming, using the scriptures to bring you back right. to a place where your mind wasn't frenzied mm -hmm. and you were more aware of the presence of the Lord. Right. And that's, mm -hmm. what, that's what she was saying we can all do. Yeah. That we can all um, use scripture in that way um, to help us encounter. Mm -hmm. because, because the scriptures are God-breathed. Mm -hmm. You know, scripture... Hebrews tells us that the scriptures are not just, the Bible's more than this book here or this book here. The Bible is this inspired word of God. And not only was it, did the Holy Spirit inspire the authors, but the Holy Spirit still inspires its content to you while you're reading it. Right. And um, there's a guy named Mulholland who writes about that. And he calls it dynamic inspiration. Yeah. This idea that it's still inspiring um, the Holy Spirit still speaks to you, and that's what mm -hmm. she's getting at here, yep. that, that when you're reading the scriptures and you can just say, okay, now I'm sensing God's presence, sit in that. And I think in our culture, how much we were never taught that. I was right. never taught that. Mm -hmm. It was always about information, 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 get information to learn more. Mm -hmm. Well, it's great that we learn, mm -hmm. but experiencing the presence of the Lord through scripture and then through just being with him. And that and those are the things then that lead you to that deeper connection and intimacy with Christ that you talked about that so many people don't feel that they can have or they can achieve. You can, you know, and as you start reading scripture and experiencing that and letting it, you know, kind of feed your soul, you find yourself wanting more. Yeah. Like I want more of this. I want more of this um the sense of God's presence in my life and, and that sense of him leading me. Yeah. So. yeah. And so you would think this lady talking about this incredible relationship with God and experiencing this presence in scripture and, mm -hmm. you know, how to live a day devotionally, that her life would have always just been, you know, I feel God's presence. Well, I don't know about you, but I would really like to feel, always just feel God's presence. Matter of fact, a lot of times I'm in that those situations like, come on, I would really like to feel your presence. Well, she went and, through seven years of dark night of the soul, pretty much. Yeah. You know, and she writes about that in her autobiography. Seven years of really not ever sensing God's nearness or reality. And she's like, I kept doing. Yeah. You know, she kept doing things that, that she knew she should do. Um, but seven years. Yeah. And so she writes, not about those seven years, but she writes about mm -hmm. periods of dryness. Yep. And I thought this would be a, a great last um, Thing that she wrote for mm -hmm. us to focus on today before we experience the Lord through communion because yeah. we're going to end our time together in just a few minutes um, celebrating communion together and um, which we couldn't th we were thinking what's the best possible way we can talk about experiencing God's presence other than all of us taking communion together and so she writes this about periods of dryness she says dear reader you must realize that God has only one desire get that God has one desire certainly you can never understand a dry spell unless you understand what his desire is. Mm -hmm. His desire is to give himself to the soul that really loves him um, and to that soul which earnestly seeks him. And yet it is true that this God who desires to give himself to you will often conceal himself from you, from you, the very one who seeks him. Now, why would God do that? 
revere saint of God, you must learn the ways of your Lord. Yours is a God who often hides himself. He hides himself for a purpose. Why? His purpose is to rouse you from your spiritual laziness. His purpose is to, is in removing himself from you is to cause you to pursue him. Mm-hmm. And so we say, she's saying this, that God uses these tribes of Titus, he, that he withdraws himself, he in essence hides himself from us mm-hmm. to give us seasons of dryness. Why? And I, I kind of kind of like, oh man, I don't like hearing this. Mm-hmm. To rouse you from your spiritual laziness, but then she kind of redefines that. His purpose in removing himself from you is to cause you to pursue him. And so she's saying there's a a high purpose, a high objective in God causing dry times. It's to get us to go after him. Mm -hmm. And is is that what we experience? Yeah. I remember many years ago, I got some book and they talked about how God hides himself. And I actually got rid of the book. I'm like, that is so not true. Well, now that I'm old... You're old, I was, young. We found out. I was young then, but now I'm old. <laughs> and um, I get it. I get it. Because you go through those dry seasons and the, those dark things. And the way that your hunger and your desire for God is so strong that you know I just have to do whatever I have to do. And, you know, God says, you come to me, who all who are weary and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. And you're not experiencing it. But, man, when you get to the other side of that, and you're like, oh, my goodness, now I see. I see how God was, was uh, nurturing me. I see how he was growing me. I see how he was changing me and transforming me in different ways. I just didn't see it, mm-hmm. you know. And so it's, it's such a hard thing, but it really is such a good thing thing yeah i've always thought this you know deserts are designed to make me thirsty and a desert if you're carrying a whole bunch of stuff through the desert you know imagine in your mind this sahara desert you know it's sand dunes and miles and miles of nothing but but wasteland and no water and you've got let's see you know in this arm you're carrying you know a a whole bunch of valuable whatever is about what's valuable to you Mm -hmm. you know and in your backpack it's full of gold or whatever else. And food. Food, there we go, <laughs> food. food. It's car- and you're carrying all this stuff, and you're walking through the desert. If, it was, if you're to watch, follow your footprints, you'd notice, okay, I just threw that down. Oh, I just threw that down. Oh, I just threw that down. Oh, I just threw that down. Because eventually nothing else matters about other than I need a drink of water. Yeah. And, you know, thirst, deserts make you thirsty. Mm-hmm. They make you tunnel vision. Yeah. And I think that's the point she's making, that God withdraws himself to make us tunnel vision. And I'm hoping in this time of this COVID-19 stuff, what's kind of happening is God's helping us, giving us the gift of making us tunnel vision. He's saying, what really matters? I was talking to somebody from church on the phone just yesterday, and he was talking about, you know, I'm realizing what I don't need in my life. And, you know, shopping, Mm -hmm. clothes. I don't need a lot of this. He's saying, you know, we're not spending our time going out recreational shopping. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't need to do this. I don't need to do that. I really just need to walk in the presence of the Lord. Well, that's a desert time. Deserts make you thirsty. Yep. You know, dry times make you thirsty. Thirst reminds you there's only one thing that matters. So spiritual thirst, the only one thing that matters is drinking in the goodness of God. Yeah. And so, so deserts are a gift, yeah. you know. And mm-hmm. so, but I think you said this earlier, as you talked about her life, this long desert time that she had a long time. Yeah. Um, 
She kept doing the right stuff. She kept tending the flame. Right. So our tendency in the desert time is to, is to just give up or wander away. Right. No, the thing that we learned from Jean Guyon, and she taught to so many forefathers, pillars mm-hmm. of the church, was that desert time or, or flood time, feast time, um, we, um, we keep doing the right thing. We keep tending the flame. Because even though we don't know it, sometimes God is not gone. Right. He's still holding us. You know, um, you know, he's still the, there's still the one set of footprints in the sand. Mm-hmm. He's carrying you through those through those times. Right. I saw a funny meme about that recently. About they said they said you know, oh Lord, how come there's only one set? What's that one long line there? He said that's, that's where right, I dragged dragging you, <laughs> kicking and screaming. You know, yeah, and just there. dragging us through the sand. Yeah. Um, and so God drags us through the sand sometimes, yeah. and He doesn't let us go, but He hides yeah. Himself so that we'll let go of everything else that's un, unimportant. Right. And so deserts, um, dry times are a gift mm-hmm. from the Lord. So Jean yeah. Guyan taught us all this stuff. She was teaching us stuff back in the 1600s, mm-hmm. you know, and how to live a day devotion in the 1600s. You know, and so here's one of the things I take from that. We're just like everybody else. Right. 2020, we're just like everybody else. Our souls need the same yeah. things. You know, like John Wesley was drawn to Jean Guyana. I watched my knee, uh, Count Zindensorf, um, you know, William Penn, all these people were like the absolute most famous people in the history of the church world. Right. Um, they were drawn to a lady who was saying, you know what, you can actually live in the presence of God daily. Mm-hmm. You know, so tend the flame. Right. Right? Yeah. And so any final thoughts about Jean Guyon before we tend the flame through communion together? Yeah, I just think, you know, again, I think she's a great example because she, she lived a real life, you know, and yeah, it was in the 1600s. You know, she lived through the smallpox epidemic, lost, Two you kids. know, lost children, lost her husband, uh, lost, you know, to her what was the most, you know, she always refers to like her biggest sin was just her vanity. Um, so her looks were a big thing and she lost that, you know. And so um, whatever you feel like you're losing right now, remember you can you can be a, a Madame Guyon and you can seek after God. You can... Um, be an example to the people that are around you. You can, you know, you can tend the flame and, and you can make a difference. You know, here we are hundreds of years later talking about Madame Guyon. So, so you know, moms, dads, you know, it's Mother's Day. Um, she wrote a book to her daughter about how to live devotionally. Mm-hmm. Um, man, let that kind of example, you don't have to write a book. I don't know that I'll write a book for my kids. Um, I don't know if they'd want me to write a book tomorrow. <laughs> You're like, I've been listening to them preach my whole life. Um, but her passion was passing it on. Mm-hmm. And so moms and dads, especially moms today, there's nothing, no greater um, legacy, no gift to you that's greater than passing on your love of Jesus to your kids. And kids, no greater thing on the planet than for you to, uh, to, to look to a mom you have moms who are making you sit down and watch church right now. That's a gift. It's more important than anything else. Mm-hmm. So when we're all done here today, give your mom a big slobbery wet kiss <laughs> and tell her thank you for being your Jean Guyon, your example on how to, how to live for Jesus. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So, you know, let's grab, grab your elements today um, for communion. And we're going to celebrate communion today with, without any fanfare. You know, I think Jean Guyon, that was one of the things. She, she talked about stripping away the, um, 
all the extra stuff. And again, it was because of a unique time um, that she was in, where the church was. It was all about it was all about doing certain things, certain ways, religious duty, you know, and conducted by only certain people. And, mm -hmm. and fortunately, we don't we know better. Mm -hmm. And so Jesus, I think, when you know, when he with his disciples of of the Lord's Supper. Um, he was just sitting with his with his disciples around the table, and um, he took a little loaf of bread, and he broke it. Mm -hmm. He took it, and he took a piece of bread, and we have a wafer, you have a cracker or whatever. And he said, this represents, this is my body. He didn't say represents. He said, this is my body. Mm -hmm. He said, it's broken for you. And, you know, he looked, I think, in the eyes of his, of his 12, he said, it's broken for you. And he's still doing that today. He's sitting with us right here, right now. And he's looking in your eyes and he's saying, I was broken for you. You know, for you. For me. And that he's he's that that kind of a, 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 a right now God. A uh, I'm with you in this time God. And moms, especially some of you this morning, for some, Mother's Day is the greatest day in the world. For some, it's one of the hardest days of your whole day. Jesus is right here, right now. For you, he's holding you in his hands. And he, he, he said, this is my body broken for you. And he knows your name. We saw that with Mary when we looked at that um, on Easter. That he knows your name. He calls you by name. And communion is about your communing with him. That's where we get the word from. Communion. It's communing with Jesus. And so hold that piece of bread in your hand this morning. And recognize that this is his body broken for you. And he offers himself to you and to me so that we can be redefined. I'm no longer, you know, most importantly, um, you know, a part German, part Swedish, part Dutch, and everything else, part Polish, I found out recently. Um, that's not the most important thing. I'm redefined as a Christian, a follower of Christ, because Jesus has brought me into a loving union of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. He's welcomed me in through the incarnation, becoming flesh offering himself flesh for you and me. So hold that piece of bread. Pray with me. Jesus, thank you that you gave yourself for each of us as individuals. You gave yourself for the whole world, but that whole world, you look down and there's over 8 billion people on this planet, you know our names. You said you know the hairs on our head. And right now, Lord, that you would make yourself real to every single person that's watching this service right now. Stir our hearts with your reality. Help us to experience your love, your presence, your tangible hand. And so Lord, now we invite your your presence to overwhelm us as we partake of the bread and the 
symbolizing the fact that if he did this the night in which he was betrayed to the bread the bread the night in which he was betrayed to the cup and imagine that with me for a moment he took a cup that looked like blood said before he went through his execution you know I'm pouring out my blood for you my life blood for you he knew exactly what he was in for he knew he was going to pour it all he knew it was going to cost him his life literally die and he did it the night in which he was betrayed he, the very night that he was going to give it all he thought about his people he thought about his followers he thought about you said this is my blood pour out for you for in a, in a new thought about keeping rules agreement between us it's not about law anymore it's not about keeping rules anymore that now a person is made right with God by by trusting in Jesus Christ and his death and his resurrection his life his giving himself in place of you and in place of me we deserve punishment he took it on the cross he was thinking about all that gave his life. He poured out his blood for us. And we know something about the shed blood of Christ. It symbolizes his power, his strength. And whatever you need today, you need a touch from the Lord. You, your heart's broken. And you, need to, you need to be healed. You need provision. You need relationships restored. You need divine healing in your body. He's the one who does all that. The church doesn't do it. I don't do it. My prayers don't do it. He does it. And he's offering himself to us in that new way. Not to be crucified again. He did that once. He offers his life for you. That you might live. You maybe don't know Christ as your Savior. Maybe you're sitting here watching this with somebody who invited you to watch church. They haven't watched part. Maybe you're a child or a spouse sitting with someone who said, yeah, just watch Pastor Mark and Suzanne for a few short meetings today. You can invite Christ into your life today. You can become brand new from the inside out today. You can have the light, the love of God come in and shine into your life and take away your sins and make you brand new so that you experience God's forgiveness and grace and, and love and, 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 and just joy of a brand new life, eternal life in Christ. You can invite him into your life today. So take the cup. Symbol. He said, this is my blood shed. Again, he didn't say symbol. He said, this is my blood shed. Let's invite the strength, the saving power of God, the healing power of God, the restoring power of God, saving power of God to come in to affect our lives today and our people that we're praying for today for God to do what only he can do by his strength and his power so Jesus thank you for shedding your lifeblood for us and for promising us your power and your strength every time we turn to you let's partake together
Lord Jesus, thank you so much. On this Mother's Day, when we remember the gift of mom, remember that that's all because of you. You're the one who said, I'm going to create the world of moms and dads and give us children. That you're the one who cares for us. You're the one who provides for us. You're the one who heals our broken hearts and fills us with joy. We pray today, Lord, as we walk through this day, like Madam Guyon was trying to teach us, we would tend the flame. We would keep your reality in the forefront of our mind. That you would change us as we become aware of your presence that's available to us every minute of every day. So help us to walk, help us to learn from Jean Guyon how to live lives devotionally, tending the flame so that we experience you in greater fullness than we ever have. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you, friends, for joining us today. We love you. We miss you. We're looking forward to being together in person real soon, but right now we're doing it digitally. So have a wonderful day. Enjoy the goodness of the Lord as you live in his presence. Amen? Amen. Amen. God bless you. Bless you. Bye-bye.